0: Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. This episode is a little different, and truthfully, I'm not sure it's the right thing to do because it's a little bit off topic, but it feels right with so many small business owners working from home with their children home now too. This episode's topic, tips for schooling our children at home while we run our small businesses. As a homeschool mom plus small business owner, I've actually been doing this now for about three years. So I definitely have some hard earned lessons that I can share with others. I would love to save you from some of the heartaches and frustrations that I've experienced. Now, you may be hard-headed and have to learn these lessons on your own. But at least I can say that I tried to share some advice during this really weird time period. I'm jumping right into the tips now tip one and this is the biggest one that changes our day completely at my house do school as early as you possibly can let me tell you what I did for about two years and it was a nightmare we would eat breakfast and the boys would play or do crafts or fight with each other while I worked on my business I would tackle big projects with the mindset that as soon as I finish, we'll start school. It was a horrible approach at my house. First, in my line of work of consulting and copywriting, meaning there's a lot of writing and research involved, it's tough to say that a project is officially finished, especially when proofing is necessary and a four-year-old is racing his Hot Wheels up and down your arm. That whole scenario was insanely frustrating because I wanted to be finished with my work so that we could, quote unquote, start school. But I couldn't think straight to send that email to my client that I'm finished because the blue car in the Hot Wheels race was spinning out of control at my elbow and the red Mustang was tickling my armpit. You get the picture, right? It was exhausting and frustrating. So it was actually my husband who suggested starting school much earlier in the morning, pretty much after breakfast was eaten and cleaned up. Now, just pause for a second to imagine how his suggestion went over. I mean, what did he know? At the time that he gave this suggestion, he didn't work from home that much. So he got to drive off every morning to do his work while I was left at home cleaning Play-Doh stuck on the bottom of chair legs getting oatmeal out of my hair, while writing a blog post for a client. So his suggestion went over swimmingly at the time. And I'm completely teasing here and I laugh about it now. But he was completely right. By doing school earlier in the day, our mindsets, that means my children's and mine are more ready for learning. So here are a few ground rules that I have for myself. Number one, I don't work on big projects. You know, the deep thinking stuff until after school is finished. Now, I often get up early before my boys so that I can work and exercise. But once I hear them stirring around, I try to wrap up whatever I'm working on and move towards breakfast duties. Then we eat, clean up, and head into school pretty soon after that. Now, Ground rule number two, there are just certain obligations that all business owners will have that must be handled in the AM. I get it. So do those first. For example, I have a client that we purposely put lots of media out there in the mornings. We do post, We make sure that we're active in stories and because of who our clientele is, we are speaking to other mothers and we know how they operate, that they grab their phones when they first wake up and check social media, or they would sit down and start to eat breakfast and drink their coffee and grab social media. So therefore, that's a small fire that I have to handle every single morning. You're going to be thinking about emails, and communicating with clients. So there are just things that you're going to have to handle before school. Put those fires out. Do that because it, they're time sensitive. Ground rule number three, rules are meant to be broken. I have been a mom, homeschool parent, public school teacher, and a small business owner long enough to realize that some days are going to be poop. We get a message on social media from a frustrated customer who didn't receive her purchase in the mail, or we get an email from a vendor explaining that our items were not shipped as scheduled, and so now we're frantically trying to communicate with customers that their orders will be late from us. So I get it. Some days do not go as planned. And when those days happen, give yourself grace. We've got to give our kids grace as well. Put out those fires, whether they're small fires or big fires, and then do school as soon as possible. Listen to me here, please. We may even have to shorten the school day on those crazy, insane days. But oh well. I mean, it's like that in public school classrooms and private school classrooms too, when there's a special assembly or an early dismissal. So there's no need to beat ourselves up if it happens in our homes too do the school necessities that day and move on. For example, my boys are second grader and kindergartner. So our necessities are definitely reading and math. So we make sure that we get in a reading lesson and a math lesson. Just telling you, that's an example of a shortened school day where we're still learning, but we're also recognizing that that day has turned into something that we're not in control of, okay? So just a quick recap, I do school with my boys as early as possible. Now I will say that after breakfast and things are cleaned up and my boys are playing quietly doing Legos or puzzles or sitting on the couch, looking at a book or reading a book, then I don't necessarily interrupt that time because I know that in 15 minutes, the tide will change I will hear a fuss. Somebody will come and ask for a snack. So when I feel that shift in our home, that's when I start school. And I will allow myself to work for those 15 minutes. I just pick out something that I know is not going to take me into that mindset of, I've got to get it finished right now before I go crazy. So start school as early as possible. And I do have a couple of ground rules. I don't work on big projects until after school. There are certain obligations that all of us are going to have to handle. So handle those small fires, then go into school as quickly as possible and recognize that rules are meant to be broken. There are going to be some days that something in your business has went off the rails. You've got to handle that in order to keep the business flowing, handle it, then go into school and recognize that even then you may have to shorten the school day. It will be all right. That also happens in public and private schools as well. Tip two, change clothes. I can remember being on a walk with my cousin several years ago. She had children before me and she was a stay-at-home mom and she just mentioned offhand, yeah, I've learned that I have to put on new clothes every day and at the time, I thought that was the strangest thing for her to say. I had no children. And I was working outside the home. So, of course, I put on new clothes every day. But when I came home to be a stay-at-home mom with my boys, and then I also run my small business from my home, I knew exactly what my precious cousin meant. Changing clothes every day is huge for me. And it doesn't even have to be go-out-in-public clothes. Like, I'm not saying we have to be cute. I just mean changing from what you slept in or worked out in that morning into something that's clean and fresh completely changes your mindset, or at least my mindset. And I will add that taking a shower each morning often helps me too, but even then, changing into clean clothes is a bigger factor to my mindset for that day. Now, as for kids, we do it both ways at my home. My boys right now really enjoy staying in their pajamas for as long as they can every day. And I'm fine with that. But truthfully, there was a time period not long ago where my husband and I felt that my oldest was just being very sloppy in his schoolwork and any other chores that we asked him to do. So for a time period, we required both boys to change from their pajamas to real clothes after breakfast. We came home from a vacation and just didn't go back to that part of our routine and things have been fine. But I knew that you might be wondering what our policy is for changing from pajamas to real clothes for our children this podcast episode is really more about we, the adults and the small business owners, how we approach our day of working from home and teaching. So I will focus more on us adults, but I knew that you may have the question about the kids in the pajamas. Now, one thing I stumbled on while prepping for this podcast, that the colors we wear may affect our moods. So If we're really feeling particularly low one day, grabbing our brightly colored tee or a sweatshirt is probably a better option over our gray hoodie. I'm preaching to myself right there. I just wanted to share that tip. Tip three, have a designated school table or room when we're working from home and trying to school our children too. This is another suggestion that helps with our mindset and organization. For us as the teachers, going to that designated place helps us to focus with a task at hand, which happens to be school. So when I call my boys to the school table and I start dragging out everything that we need, my mind shifts towards school and I'm better able to leave business things behind for that time period. And just a side note, our school day lasts anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours and 45 minutes. Because we're working in such a small group of kiddos, uh, like for me, I have two sons, we can accomplish a lot in just an hour. If you think back about those crazy days I was talking about earlier, where even with the best intentions and the best laid plans, we still have big fires that pop up. There you go. We can still accomplish a lot sitting at the table with our kiddos in just 45 minutes or an hour. One other thing, about having a designated area for school that I wanted to mention is that it does save time and fussing in the long run. Like who's going to get the scissors? Guess what? It's not an argument anymore because it's right here in our school basket. Because remember, we want to make this easy for ourselves and our kiddos. The harder that we have to work to make school happen each day, the more we dread it or worse, we don't do it at all. It's the exact same concept of why many of us lay our workout clothes out the night before. That way in the morning, we don't have to gather them. We don't even have to consider what it is that we're going to wear to work out that day. We get to completely skip that step, that thinking, that brain power. All we have to do is to put the clothes on and that puts us one more step towards working out. That's the same principle for why you want a designated spot for schoolwork and for your school supplies. It takes away some of the thinking, which then makes us so much more likely to actually gather there and do the work. Okay, tip four, and this is a biggie. It may be the most important of the tips that I've shared so far. Give ourselves grace and our kiddos too. Listen up. Professional teachers will tell you that some days are truly amazing magical in the classroom. And well, other days are absolutely poop. There were many days I pulled out of my school's parking lot on cloud nine. Dang, my students were lucky to have me. I had taught them so much that day and loved them well. Friend, those were the magical days. And then, I'm not kidding, just 24 hours later, I would drag my almost lifeless body to the car and cry, myself, all the way home, wondering why in the world did I ever think that I should be a teacher. Those were the poop days. The same will happen to you. You already know this though, because these feelings happen to us as parents and business owners all the time. There will be days that you leave the school table with your kiddos and you'll think to yourself, I could do this for an entire year if I had to. And then there'll be days when your seven-year-old, and I, when I mean your seven-year-old, I'm talking about mine, won't stop complaining. And when your five-year-old, once again, mine won't stop crying. I mean like blubbering a million tears because his brother stole his motorcycle. Now, wait for it. It was his imaginary motorcycle, not even a real toy. I kid you not. I didn't even know what to say to my little guy. I was completely confused. All I could mumble out, just imagine a new one. No one can take the things that you dreamed up in your head. I mean, seriously, this happened at our house. So days like those, you're going to want to stop before you ever started. I get it. So we give ourselves lots of grace. Understand that good days and bad days will happen, just as we know this to be true in our businesses and with parenting in general. I will say, though, the good days are really good. Some of my best times over the last two years have happened at the school table. When I've done all the things in this podcast, like started school as early as possible, changed clothes so that I changed my mindset, and I left my phone on the counter so that social media text, emails weren't a distraction. Those days have had some of the sweetest conversations and the most belly jiggling laughs ever. So the really good days are really good. Okay, so we've talked tips for affecting our mindsets going into school time. We're going to move our chat into maybe more technical tips, ideas that are going to affect the lessons themselves. Tip five, use timers. When I was teaching public school, I had at least three timers in my classroom at all times. And that was when I was running low. Emergency status right there. There's just something about giving children and adults a set time that gives us energy to work. We think to ourselves, I only have to work hard for 10 minutes. Or I can move on to something else here in 12 minutes. When working with children, and that's toddlers up to 89 years old, think short time frames. 20 minutes is plenty long for most school activities. And I mean the ones that are using lots of brain power or causing stress. However, if our toddler is enjoying the cooking station and 20 minutes has come and gone, let her play. You get my drift? timers are definitely guidelines guardrails they're not necessarily barriers we may also find that 20 minutes is too long for our middle schooler who's really struggling through algebra fine go to 10 minutes and over a period of days increase that time so that he works up to that 20 minute mark or challenge him to complete more problems during the 10 minutes The thing about a timer is it's just a form of goal setting. We may want to experiment with how our children respond best to timers. Here are a few ways that I've used timers with my own children and with my former students. One way is challenge to increase. So we may say something like, hey, yesterday you did three really long math problems in 15 minutes. Do you think you can do four today? So we challenge the student to increase in that period of time, or we could challenge them to maintain, because let's face it, not every day and with every situation and topic are you going to be able to increase. So we may challenge them to maintain. We could say something like, yesterday we read this passage and answered five questions. Do you think you can repeat that again today? And a final way that I've used timers we can simply use them as a guardrail for how long we'll work on a specific topic or lesson. We may say, I'm setting the timer for 20 minutes. Now let's get to work. Okay, on to tip six. Games are learning tools. Games help spice up lessons and maintain skills. They're not just fun, they're important. There is no shame in playing games with our kiddos. Let me say that again, there's no shame in games. And with the age of Google and Alexa, we have thousands of games at our fingertips and just our voice. Not to mention that most of us have closets full of board games. And truthfully, dice are an elementary math teacher's best friend. So many games can be created and played just with dice. Let me tell you, though, why I'm a huge proponent of games, besides them just being fun. Right now, we're at home teaching our children. So that means that when we play a game, we are playing in super small groups of students with an adult paired with them. See, I played a lot of games with students when I was in the public school classroom, and I believe in them in the public school classroom and private school classroom. But when I taught games there, I had to rely on my strongest game players. That would be the ones that maybe understood the math concepts the best or remembered the history facts better or understood the rules of the game very well. I had to rely on those students to be great teachers to the other kiddos in the group. Well, that's asking a lot and they did their best. They really did a great job, but they're the same age of the kiddos that they're playing with. Now, when we sit down with just our children and we go to play a game, guess what? We're not having to rely on another student to be a strong teacher. We get to be that teacher. We're the ones that get to ask probing questions such as, hey, why did you make that move? Explain it to me. Or I understand why you made that move but have you thought about doing it this way? Or, hey, I think you didn't add correctly. Could you add it again? So those are things that we as adults are going to catch and naturally start talking to them about the why of the game, or we're gonna catch their mistakes. So we're now teaching logic while we're playing a math game or while we're playing a board game. And that is powerful, not to mention, we're also going to teach citizenship skills. I don't know about your house, but we hate losing at my house. I mean, all of us, but at least the two adults in the house, we do manage to keep it together most of the time. Our two small ones manage to waller all over the floor after most games that they lose. And so therefore we have opportunity to have some citizen citizenship lessons and uh, Bible verses, prayers, all kinds of ways that we, as the adults in the situation, get to teach to the two kiddos that are wallowing on the ground. So I am kidding here, but game—I'm not kidding about the losing. We really do take it very seriously around here. And that's a great characteristic to have. Of course, I want my boys to care whether they win or lose. But as the adult, I get to teach them how to win graciously and lose graciously. So that is definitely one perk of playing games. And like I said earlier, because we're the ones now teaching our children right now in this time period, we are teaching them in very small groups one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three or one-on-six. And as we're the adults in the game, we're the expert in the game, we are going to ask really good questions as we play. And as we do that, we're teaching kids logic beyond just the game itself. My final tip for this episode is tip seven, build in independent work times. It's tempting to sit next to your child the entire time during school. And sometimes on a rush day, that may be all that you have time for. But I would encourage you to create independent work times for your children on most school days. This practice is powerful because it reminds our children that they are expected to work on their own because when they return to school after this COVID shutdown, they'll be expected to. Plus, In real life, we have to have the fortitude to work on things alone, to tackle tasks independently. So my children, even though they are homeschooled regularly and won't be returning to a public school classroom in a few weeks or months, I still build in independent work time most school days. What does this look like? Well, as I stated earlier, when I was talking about timers I still believe that independent work time should be fairly short, so anywhere between 10 and 30 minutes. A key, though, to independent work time is assigning work that can be done, wait for it, independently. We want children to be maintaining skills during this time, not learning new skills. Think about it. If they have to constantly run back and forth to you asking questions about it, then they're not working independently. They're still getting a lot of help from you. So to learn new skills, they probably need to be sitting next to you during an individual lesson. Which brings me to another point. Independent work time is crucial because it does allow for individual lessons with our other children. So here's an example and don't laugh. We really do have to have a tally chart at my house for who I worked with first. So let's say on Monday, I worked with JR first, meaning I sat and taught him reading and math lessons first. Then I would put a tally by his name. And Colt would go and do independent work while I'm working with JR. And then they would switch. I would give JR an assignment to go work independently, and Colt would sit with me and have individual lessons with me. And then guess what? Do the tally chart. We would see that on Tuesday, Colt would start with me. For individual lessons and JR would start with independent work. Now once again I try to be very cognizant of what I assign to them during that independent work time. I want it to be something or several things that they can do without asking my help because my attention is on the lessons I'm teaching the son that is sitting next to me. Just in case you're wondering for my boys second grader and a kindergartner Our school day looks something like this. We start at the table all together, and then we start with calendar work because once again, second grader and kindergartner, we're still working a lot on days of the week, months of the year, numeration, writing what we've been doing the past couple of days or what we're gonna be doing in the future. We'll also have read-alouds. We'll do some Bible verse work, songs. So we start together for the first 30 minutes to 45 minutes, And then we move into individual lessons and independent work time. So there's a heads up. That's at least how it works at our house. I do believe that independent work time is very important for your child who is working independently and for the children who need individual lessons from you as well. Okay, as I conclude this episode, I want to share just a few reminders. The first one. And it's the biggest one. I've talked about it a lot. Give ourselves grace. And I'm not saying this and taking it lightly. I mean it. We're all schooling our children now, whether you're doing traditional homeschool or choosing to unschool during this time, or whether you've been homeschooling regularly for a long time, or this is your first time. We're all doing it in uncharted territories. Think about it. No museums are open, no libraries, no water parks. It's not like it is in the summer. So we're all in a new territory. We have to give ourselves and our children grace. We have to be forgiving of one another, knowing that we're all learning along the way. Let me quickly recap the tips that I have learned from my own stubbornness and stupidity. Tip number one, start school as early in the day as possible. Hold off your bigger business projects, if at all possible, until after we've taught school. Therefore, we're just able to focus more on school and then our mind can go to those deeper, longer projects that we need to do for our business. Tip two, change clothes each morning. It is tempting, I'll admit, to stay in our sleeping clothes all day. But I have found for myself changing clothes often changes my mindset. So perhaps yours as well. Tip three, designate a place in our homes for school and for school-related items. It saves time hunting supplies, and when we get to that designated place, our brains are ready to focus. We have trained ourselves to think about school when we get to that place. So it saves us time in the long run and trains us to think school. Tip four, I've already said it a hundred times, but once more won't hurt. Give ourselves and our sweet children grace. We're all learning what school and running a business looks like with our children afoot and without the modern day enrichments and play areas that we're all used to. So we just have to be lenient with ourselves sometimes. Tip five, use timers. It's a form of goal setting and most of us perform better with a goal in mind. Tip six. Play games. Our kids will learn so much by playing games with us, the experienced, more expert-like adult. So don't be afraid to play those games. Tip seven, create independent work time. It builds stamina for working alone and for concentrating. Plus, it allows us to teach individually to our other children. And to those of you with a large age span between some of your children, don't be afraid to ask older children to teach simple concepts to your younger children. The older siblings learn empathy that way and are forced to grapple with how to explain a skill or task in very simple terms. It's a great learning opportunity for both the younger child and the older child. Last thing, know that I'm praying for small business owners during this time I'm worried, of course, and I'm choosing to concentrate on things that I can control, such as teaching my two wonderful crazy boys. This homeschool thing is something that we've been preparing for since we became business owners. Our instincts are to serve our customers and to solve their problems. Guess what? Teaching is very similar. Teaching is recognizing what students need and then finding ways to teach them to meet that need. You can't add? Great. I'll teach you to add. You can't comprehend a passage? Fine, we'll reread it two times to solve that problem. You cry every time you lose? Okay, we'll play games together so I can teach you how to cope. We business owners have been in tune to our customers since the beginning of business. Now we get to take that same skill and apply it to our children in an education setting. We can do this. We've been doing it since we became parents, since we became a business owner, and now since we became our child's teacher. I hope you found value in this episode. I enjoyed recording it. If you did find some value, please don't forget to rate or review. You know as a business owner, the magic of those reviews. And don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram at inspire to engage or on Facebook. Same thing, inspire to engage all lowercase. Until next episode, kiddo, have a great week and hang in there.